So who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Yeah, super excited to be with you all today. If you don't know who I am, I'm Hunter Brooks. Uh, I get the, I have the privilege and honor to serve here at NCC in multiple different areas. So if, usually if you see me, I'm usually drumming. I'm usually not over here on this side of the stage. Or I kind of help with the table. I like helping out with the table. Um, but first things first, before we dive in, we have to give honor where honor is due. Can you give it up for our pastors, Pastor Aaron and Sarah? They just do a phenomenal job leading our church. They're phenomenal people, mentors. I love them. I look up to them. Uh, they're just an amazing couple. So over the past two weeks, we talked about the stories of the Bible. Like, are they real? Yes, they're real. If you remember our first week, Pastor Aaron talked about the talking, the talking donkey. Excuse me, words are hard today. And we, we got to imagine, you know, the movie Shrek, and we got to see that part of the Bible. And then the second week, we talked about the walls of Jericho crashing down. And then this week, we're going to talk about a blind man tearing down a coliseum. If you haven't catch, caught up on those two messages yet, go check it out on newcommunity.co. And if you're following along with us today, we want to welcome all of our online fam. You guys, we love you. Just know if you're not here, we're still thinking about you guys. And we love every single one of you guys that are joining us online here today. I get the opportunity to help out online ministry on Wednesdays, so I can never give not give a shout out to our online family. Um, so we love them. And so this week we're going to have some fun as we talk about another story of the Bible as we dive into it, if it's real. But first, I got to give a huge shout out. La vez pasada que estuve aquí dije que aprendería español y les voy a hacer honesto. Ha sido un proceso lento, pero poco a poco estoy aprendiendo español y entiendo mejor. Así que si me ven batallando, ayúdenme. So we're working on that. We're diving into it. So today, we're going to talk about one of the strongest men ever in the Bible. And now, ladies, when we talk about this man today, don't be jealous and don't be going home looking at your man and go, ooh, y'all don't got the muscles like that. You know, or, oh, I don't know if you can do some cool stuff like he did. So we're going to dive right into it. We're going to talk about Samson today. Not Samsung. I've learned that I have a hard time saying Samson's name. But I guess I'm just giving a shout out and free promotion material to Samsung while I'm at it. And so we're going to talk about him today. And if you grew up in church, this is a very common story in the Bible. You hear about him all the time. You think of the muscles. Think of Delilah. You think of... Uh, you know, things breaking and cool stuff like that. But I don't know about you. I'm a very talkative, thinking person. I like to talk my thoughts out. I like to imagine a lot. If you're like me, you might imagine Samson like this. Yeah. He got his long, luscious hair, the looks, the everything. He got it all. Or it could be a little something like this. And so watching that video, and I was, I was YouTubing Strongman videos, and I was on there for a few hours watching these types of videos because they're very interesting and very cool to see and very much how what I'm not doing. <laughs> I got a gym membership this week, so we'll see what I can do with that. Um, I mostly got it because I'm tired of getting schooled on the basketball court on Wednesdays for service, and I'm ready to take them on as soon as I, as soon as I get some more you know, reps in at the gym. But as we've been going through this series, we've been studying Scripture, and we keep on saying these three things. Pastor Aaron talked about these three things on when we look at Scripture, what we can do. The first question we want to ask ourselves is, what did the audience think when they heard this? What does it mean to us today? And how do we apply this to our lives? And I hope to answer all three of these questions today when we dive into the story of Samson. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for this time that we just get to be with you, get to be in your house. This is your place, God. Do what you want to do, God. 
God, open eyes, ears, hearts to receive what you have in store. God, this is your words, not mine, and I am just to be blessed and honored to be that steward today. In Jesus' name, everyone says, amen. amen. I'm a holler back type preacher. Students know this, so the more I get back, the quicker I go, we get the lunch. I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I go from Texas Roadhouse. And so, well, we're going to dive straight into the scripture, and if you're taking notes, because note takers are what? History makers, yes. The title of today's message is called God's Not Done. So as we dive into the scripture, we're going to be looking into the book of Judges today. So I'm going to set up what's going on here in the book of Judges. We're going to be focusing on Judges chapter 13 through 16, which is the story of Samson. When we think of the book of Judges, this is what we think of. Joshua just led the people, the Israelites, to the promised land. Now, they got a few places left to conquer. They got a few things left to do. But during this time, after Joshua dies, there is no ruler, I guess you say, there's no king of Israel. It's more of judges, which as if you want to put it in modern terms, maybe like a governor or a mayor. Like those are what we would consider judges. And they had a few of them in here, and Samson is just one of the few judges. And if you're like me, who likes action, and you like you know, fighting and stuff like that. This is your book. This is a gory book. This gets bloody. It gets detailed. It's fun to read. Like, my head, oh, man, if they made a live-action movie of Judges, probably do better than the Avengers. Just saying. It'd be a pretty phenomenal, pretty phenomenal movie. And so we want to talk about here on the book of Judges, we're going to see it in the story of Samson, how there's a cycle that the Israelites put themselves through and we're going to talk about that cycle, but also how it relates to us today. So that cycle is this. We got God. Woo! We're close to him. And then we sin. We fall from God. We, you know, conform to the world and the patterns of the people around us. We worship false gods. We realize we're doing wrong. We ask God for forgiveness. We get close to him. And we're back to close to God. And then it repeats and repeats and repeats. And still to this day, look at us. We still do the same thing. My own life. I don't worship the false gods part, but I feel like I do the same thing sometimes too. Close to God, I sin, I fall from him, I ask for forgiveness, and it's the perpetual cycle over and over again. How do we stop that cycle? So the book, a whole book of Judges shows us the failures and the character flaws of Israel. As well as multiple times, I think it's like probably like six or seven times in the book of Judges, you see this perpetual cycle over and over again, just in one book. So Judge, we're going to start at the beginning of Samson's life in Judges 13, 1 through 5. It says this, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. This is more like, oh, again? Like, it's not, it's not news by now in this part of the Bible. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man named Zorah, a certain man of Zorah, sorry, I did this first service, named Manoah from the clan of Danites, had a wife who was childless and unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless. Pause. She probably already knew that. Just saying. So, but I like how the angel of the Lord says this because God's going to do something. So we're going to look at it right here. But you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son who is head to never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. To sum that all up, 
Uh, shout out to John Jones, helped me understand more of the Nazarite vow. He's part of our teaching team. He plays keys on here on Sundays. It says this part about it. It says, angel appeared to the child someone saying that she shall bear a son, but the boy must live his entire life as a Nazarite, meaning he had to live by certain rules that the typical Jew did not. So in my head, I, like I said, I think a lot. So in my head, when I'm like forced upon rules, like from birth, like to me, that's like, oh, that's like legalism, that's like laws, that's legal stuff, like, oh, oh, you know, stuff like that. But we'll see that Samson tests those boundaries here. So under most circumstances, a Jew would take a Nazarite vow for a specific period of time. Then after the time of the vow had been completed, they could live normally. But Samson had this vow forced upon him, and it would be for life. Have you ever had something forced upon you before? You're like, mm-mm. Like when you're young, your mom would make you dress the way that way, and you ain't trying to dress like that. Yeah, you know, I get that even to this day. Mom is still trying to make you dress a certain way, and you don't want to. Or, you know, anything. You're like, I don't want to eat this meal, but I have to eat it because this is what's served. You know, something that's forced upon us. And so the Torah discusses the obligation of the individual who takes the Nazarite vow in number 6, 1 through 21. Some of the particulars are no strong drinks, wine, beer, anything that can make anyone drunk. No consuming grapes in any form, including part of the grapevine, and no shaving. No approaching dead bodies, even for the funeral of a family member. They had to be clean. They had to be right. And so, Scripture does not detail why an individual make a Nazarite vow, but numbers, uh, from number 6-2, we are told that it is to be separated for the Lord. Given the typical vow had a time frame chosen by the individual, it seems to have a purpose similar to fasting. So back then it would be more like maybe their type of way of fasting. What we do now, sometimes some people do the Daniel fast or fast from social media and stuff like that. So that leads me to my first point today. So if you're still taking notes, this is my first point. God doesn't use perfection. We see throughout this whole story of Samson, unfortunately, we don't have time today to go over every detail of the story of Samson. So this week, I highly suggest you read Judges 13 through 16. And so we see all throughout the Bible that God does not use perfection. What we do see is that we are perfectly imperfect people following a perfect God. Look at me. I'm not perfect by any means. I know I may say I am, may try to act all cool and look good, but at the end of the day, I know I'm not perfect. And so I think this is just great. I love having the honor to preach today because today is actually my six-year anniversary of being baptized in water. And really when God really changed and shaped my life. This is the day six years ago that God really did something in me. The greats in the Bible were not even perfect people. But they still filled out the purpose of God. We can talk about any one of them, David, Noah, anyone, but they fill out the purpose of God. I think what we do is that we mix up perfection with purpose. God has purposed us to do things, but he doesn't require us to be perfect. He just requires us to listen and do what he asks. But I think we mix that up a lot. So we mix that perfection with that purpose up. Which leads us to the second point. Our attitude determines our outcome. So in Judges 14, just a quick recap of Judges 14 and 15 before we move on. It says, um, so Samson was supposed to get married. Did not work out. Um, the, the bride married the best man. Like, man, that, that's got to be something real. You know, I'm about to get married in three and a half months. I would, my best man, he, I'd be in prison. Just letting y'all know. <clears throat> 
And so uh, after that, he tied up foxtails and tied fastened torches to them and let them loose in all the fields. Like, you know, you know, got a donkey's jawbone and went to town and killed a bunch of people. Like, that's some cool stuff. Like, that's some manly ugh, type of stuff right there. But during that time, was Samson emotionally led or was he spiritually led? I think that's how we live our lives a lot. It's more so emotionally led than spiritually led. Pastor AC said this last week, and I thought it was great. He said this during the giving time. He said, sometimes we do things and then ask God to bless, but we don't ask God to bless and then do it. We like to do it backwards. We like to do the things and go, oh, God, bless it, even though that might not have been the purpose or what God has in store for us. So we look at it in Judges 14. We see that Samson's attitude make us weak. So we have attitudes that can make us weak. And here's just to name some of Samson's, which still relate to this day. We still have, we still deal with this. Lust in Judges 14, 1 through 2. Entitlement in Judges 14, 8 through 9. And pride in Judges 14, 10. But then there's attitudes that make us strong. When we rely on the Lord, when we look towards him, it says it in a few Times in there, Samson was led by the Spirit of the Lord. He led the Israelites for 20 years as their judge. And just because he failed and has some weaknesses doesn't mean he still couldn't do what God had him to do. His purpose, like we read, was to take out the Philistines. He had a purpose. God had every step lined up. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says this about attitudes that can make us strong. Says, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. What is that saying? God can use this. God can use my weaknesses and make me strong again. Which may have me thinking, like, what attitudes are binding us? What things are binding us? that we can consider our weaknesses. Because even in our failures, God can still accomplish his purposes. I'm not going to lie to you when we catch up right now. Uh, so Samson, after his failed marriage, didn't work out, got married to the best man. He kind of becomes a player, hangs out with a bunch of ladies, just goes around town, being with everybody. Um, I'm not saying I was like that by any means, no, but I do say I felt like him a lot. What I imagine Samson in this moment is that he's lonely, he's trying to find love, he's trying to find acceptance in all the wrong things. What we need to do is rely on God and find that love and acceptance and everything through him. But he, he knows he should rely on God, but yet he's looking to worldly things to fill his tank that will never fill God's purpose and God in your life. So I felt like that. Uh, so about 18 to 21 years old, I'm 24 now, I was like on a... I guess dating spree uh, is when I tried to date, and it didn't work out a whole lot. Like, I went on a few, not many dates, not really much at all, like three years and maybe like two dates. So that's how strong my game is. Yeah. So what does this mean when we talk about relationships is that we're going to talk about Delilah. Now, I know it's not true, but the song, Hey There, Delilah, I think it was based off of this. I'm just saying, I think it's based off of this. This, this passage. So sometimes we're going to see Samson sacrificing himself for Delilah, which, who is, who is, is to probably believe, most likely a prostitute in this time. And so just think about that. What are we sacrificing in ourselves 
that is hindering us from God? Is it relationships? Is it a job? Is it a promotion? Is it friends? Is it relationships, dating or non-dating? The reason why I ask that is because if they are for God, they will push us towards God. The thing is that if we have to sacrifice ourselves, that means we're being taken away from God. That means people are pushing us away from God. I'm not going to lie. I've had friends that are pushing me away from church, pushing me away from God. And then I have a great group of friends that push me towards God and make me want to be the best man I can be after God's heart. You know, the best person I can be, the best leader I can be. You have to choose those things. So you might be coming out here saying you might have to delete some contacts on your phone after this. Because you realize that, oh, those people aren't pushing me towards God. Why do I need to flirt with them? And one of the things that we see in, in Judges is that when he, he walks by a vineyard, we never actually see if Samson gets drunk. We can assume, because he's at a lot of parties and he's with a lot of prostitutes, so we can assume. But what we see in that moment is that he kind of brushes with sin. Because like we talked about, Nazarite's not even allowed to eat grapes. So how many times are we sacrificing ourselves, kind of brushing with that sin, that something is not pushing us towards God. I can finally say, I finally have a relationship pushing me towards God and making me want to be a better follower of Jesus. It just took a long time and a lot of failures to do it. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to fail. It's okay to not be okay because God uses failures to still complete his purpose. We're going to look at one of Samson's biggest failure and in his weakness where he fell. Sometimes in our weaknesses we fall. But it's okay. It's who are we going to as our source afterwards that determines what's the outcome. Because like I said, our attitude determines our outcome. So how are we going to think about it? So Judges 16, 17, 21 says this. This is the third time, you know what they say. You know, Delilah's like, hey, tell me your secret. He makes up a lie. Kills off the Philistines. Second time, makes him another secret. Does lie. All right. The saying is, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Now, he's on the third time. Like, his, his, his butt deserved it at this point. Like, I'm just saying. So the third time, she asked him. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. I'm like, you did it for silver? Like, not even some gold? Like, silver's the weak stuff. Continue. So after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair. And so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I got this. I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They sent him to grinding grain in the prison. His weaknesses set up his failure. So now you got a man with no looking good hair. You got no eyes, and it's probably a good thing, but he has no lady. So he lost it all. Lost God, lost everything. So when I think of Samson at this moment, this is what I'm thinking of. Lost the hair, lost the eyes. I think, I think God really spoke to me in this message. A few weeks ago, I had, I go in for my haircut, and if you know me by any means, 
I get, I am very specific with my hairstyles. This is what I want. This is what I get. I go every two weeks. I have a hair budget in my monthly budget. Like, that's how much I take care of my hair, and I love taking care of my hair to make sure that it's always good, clean, fresh, and all that. I go in. I tell her what I want. She says, okay, cool. Buzzes my hair. So whether or not she thought that looked good or not, I did not like it. So I'm currently taking some time to get my hair back to what it should be. So I imagine, I think that's why I felt like I really related to this story when I got asked to, uh, you know, speak this Sunday and speak on stories. I'm like, oh, I should talk about Samson. I got no hair now. So, so, but we've all had, you know, relationships like Samson, you know, like, oh, I can't find the right guy. Oh, I keep on attracting the same things. I think it's because we're attracting the same things because we're not fully following God. I, I always like to imagine the story from the other perspective. What if Samson didn't fall? Like, what if he didn't fail? Like, his hair didn't cut off. Old ones. Oh, I'm good. Bye to Delilah. I always like to imagine himself. I would say, look in the mirror. So if we looked ourselves in the mirror, if he looked at himself in the mirror, he was the leader at that time, wouldn't he have been like, man, am I the leader that I want to follow? Am I the person that I want to date? So I think if he had like maybe a reality check before it was too late, the story may have been different. I don't know about you, but I always like thinking the opposite. Like the other day I had a conversation with my mom, like, I lived on the line where I was in school, so I could have gone to one high school or I could have gone to the other high school. And we had a conversation, like, oh, what would happen if you went to the other high school? I'm like, psh, the other high school, you know. But, you know, I, that's the way my mind thinks. I'm constantly a thinker. So I love thinking about things. Which leads me to my last point. Because Samson in his weakness failed, there's always a but God moment. He is a God of breakthrough. Judges 16, 23-31 says this, Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who has laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. While they were high in spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. Pause. Don't people like to point out your weaknesses and entertain that to other people? That's what they do in a Samson right now. Oh, they love to do it. Oh, Christians are so hypocritical. But we're not perfect. Hear that a lot. So that's what is, is happening right now. So they call Samson out of prison, and he performed for them when they stood him among the pillars. So if you grew up in church, when you hear this story, imagine him on, like, on the outside of a building like pushing pillars, but this is actually, theologians believe that he was actually in a coliseum. Like he really was on a stage, he was on show for everyone to see. So imagine the greatest showman by Samson. So he said this to the servant who had a saying, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there, and, the, and on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching. Samson performed. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. He remembers his purpose. 
Samson's purpose was to destroy the Philistines, and that's what he's trying to do. After his failures, he realized, I got to still fulfill my purpose. I still got to do something. That's what he's realizing right here. And so he put, he's, so when the temple stood, he bracing himself against them, his right hand on one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all of his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. Then his brothers and fathers and the whole family went down to get him. They brought him back and buried him between Zorah and Esau in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had led Israel for 20 years. So when I'm imagining Samson at this point, this is what he's looking like. Yeah. That's what I imagine him looking like right now. We can have fun and all that with the story of Samson. We can relate him to Thor. We can read it and be like, oh, man, he shouldn't have dated Delilah. But it's an illustration of our lives. The pillars represent more than just that. There's some pillars in our lives that need to be broken. And so I asked Gabe, one of our students, to um, do it. He does a phenomenal job with arts. And so he drew on a pillar for me today, an, an illustrative pillar. Uh, one of the things he wrote was addiction, depression, sickness, COVID-19. We've dealt with a lot of junk this past year. And a lot of us have thought, this is the end. But I'm here to tell you that this is the beginning. Samson, what he thought was his end, was the beginning for something greater. Because he fulfilled God's purpose. So God's not done with us yet. He's ready to do more. But we got to knock some things out in our lives. And I'm going to be the first to tell you that there's some pillars in my life that need to go too. So when we imagine these pillars of life, we're moving forward. What pillars does God want us to break? And, and so I'm going to do this. I used to do Taekwondo. I don't think I can do it. But I'm going to use my own strength and do this on my own. Ah, oh, dang, can't break the pillar. Ah, oh, dang, can't break the pillar. But when you go to Lowe's and you buy an awesome axe, because every man should own an axe. And so I got one. I couldn't do it alone. A lot of us need to be like Samson and go, Sovereign Lord, I need you. Come into my life. I need you to help break these pillars. So imagine this as God breaking our pillar. He's with us. He wants to be in our lives and involved in our lives and do something there. And he's ready to break some pillars. If everyone can bow their head and close their eyes could not leave here today and not give an opportunity for you online or you here in person. If this is your first time, you're like, man, I need to get my life over to God. I got some junk in my life. I need to get it out. I need him here. I want to make him the Lord of my life. I want to make him what Samson did at the end, realize that I needed God to fulfill my purpose. Or you can say, this is your hundredth time wanting to pray that prayer, and you're like, man, I need God. I've maybe walked away for a little bit, but I need him. If that's you today, I want you to repeat this prayer for me. And everyone's going to join you. So if you're online, everyone in your household, join you, even if you're in the bathroom. Join us as we pray together for God to do something in people's lives. So dear God, we thank you for today, for sending your son to take up our sins. God, give us the strength with you 
to remove our pillars. We can't do this without you. We need you more than ever. Come into our lives. Make us new. In Jesus' name, amen. Give everyone a shout of praise. Because like the Bible says, if one person does, the entire heaven and angels is having a party. I just want to pray over you guys real quick before I leave. There are some pillars in our lives that we need to get taken care of. And I want to pray over that for you guys today. Generally, Father, we thank you for this time that we got to just be here and be in your house and listen to you and your word, Father. Listen, I got as, as we leave here today, God, that you use us as vessels for you. Anything that's hindering us and binding us from you, God, show us. We need you and your strength to come in and break our pillars. We can't do this without you, God. Everyone that's listening on the sound of my voice, God, you go into their lives. Bless them, anoint them, and help them break down the pillars that are affecting their purpose and their relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.